Hey everybody, this is Brandon. I am here again with Caleb and we are bringing you another episode of Rock Video Rental. Uh, we always start things off with Caleb. What have you been watching? Uh, well, big weekend this weekend as Stranger Things Season 4 Part 1 finally dropped. <gasps> I didn't know. Dun, dun, dun. We should probably just cancel this episode and just talk about that show. <laughs> so um no i'm so i'm not gonna say too much about it the i feel like something worthwhile um to mention that wouldn't really give anything away is if you happen to be a fan of stranger things and you are starting out the new season and it seems a little slow perhaps um bear with it because it all comes together by the end of part one uh, and they do a really good job with it, but it just seems I felt like it was a little slow, mainly from they have so many storylines to kind of get you started with. So the first episode or two is a lot of context. So, yeah, I didn't necessarily think it was slow. I thought it was a little overwhelming at first, I guess. OK. I don't know. I felt like the pace of it was pretty good. And, you know, each each of these episodes is over an hour long. Some of them are an hour and a half, hour and 40 minutes. But I don't know. I thought they moved along pretty good. Well, nobody cares about your feelings because <laughs> it was my turn to share. Well, you're wrong. I just want to <laughs> let you know that you're wrong. <laughs> uh, well, part of the reason why I was able to get through those so quickly was because I was sick over the weekend, which absolutely sucked. Um I, because of that, I watched more than normal, I would say, especially with it being a holiday weekend, did nothing. Um, I started, or I watched the two episodes that came out for the Obi-Wan Kenobi series. Um, it was pretty good. I'm not like, I kind of feel like the Star Wars content is a lot like the Marvel content, or it's just too much over and yeah. over again uh and i have some thoughts about the kenobi thing but i think i'll wait for a little while because it could be kind of spoilerish so i don't really want to spoil it for anybody even though it's only two episodes but yeah so i watched that i mean entertaining for sure absolutely so uh outside of that just plugging away with some simpsons nothing new to report from there and yeah i think that was it i mean stranger things gosh i don't know how many hours that was but yeah that <laughs> that took up a ton it was a few yeah one or two uh so spoiler alert i also watched stranger things no way <laughs> took me a little bit longer to get through it um yeah because i wasn't sick the whole weekend oh man what else i've been watching uh a couple episodes of new girl here and there uh, I didn't have really much time for much outside of Stranger Things, but at, last night I did watch this documentary on Netflix called Our Father. Okay. About this, um, doctor in Indianapolis that does um, in vitro fertilization, <laughs> and apparently he was using like his own sample. Oh, I think I heard on, about that on women. And he did it to like a whole bunch of them. And now there's, I can't remember what the final number was. It was like 
twenty some kids that he had. And it was it was pretty messed up. Like I felt so bad for a lot of them. Um, apologies if you guys can hear the train in the background. I have this random train that sometimes goes by. <laughs> nice. Uh, man. Other than those, uh, I watched Ferris Bueller's Day Off on my Betamax player just because I wanted to watch it. And I don't know, I've been watching more fanboy flicks on on YouTube or that's like the name of his channel, but like the name of his show is Weird Movies with Mark. Okay. So yeah, just fun bad movie reviews, which is something we're familiar with. Rock. Uh I guess the last thing I did watch was American Psycho. So let's talk about that. New card. What do you think? Whoa, very nice. Patrick, you're so sweet. Jean? Yes, Patrick? Would you like to accompany me to dinner? Sabrina, why don't you dance a little? Christy, get down on your knees. We're not through yet. That's a wonderful suit. It looks so soft. I don't think I can control myself. If you stay, something bad will happen. I feel lethal on the verge of frenzy. I think my mask of sanity is about to slip. Have any witnesses or fingerprints? Actually, yes. Hmm. You're inhuman. I know my uh, behavior can be erratic sometimes. Hey, Paul! So, what do you do? I'm into, uh, well, murders and executions mostly. I have all the characteristics of a human being, but not a single clear, identifiable emotion. I simply am not there. I, uh... <laughs> I just had <laughs> to kill a lot of people! So, American Psycho is from 2000 and is directed by Mary Heron. And I just realized today watching this that this movie is directed by a woman. Yeah, I <laughs> I did not realize that until after the movie was done. I watched a couple of YouTube videos because it's one of those movies where you really kind of have to watch or look at some stuff afterwards to really... Mm-hmm uh come to grips with what happened or at least maybe get a little bit more context yeah so yeah it's one of those where you're like okay i'm not quite sure exactly what's going on but not like in a bad way mm-hmm. uh, another movie like that was i think i mentioned before on a show called the Tri- uh, triangle about the woman that's like on this old cruise ship in the bermuda triangle I don't know if you have. The things keep like repeating and stuff. She's stuck in like a time loop. Oh, hmm. yeah, it's it's a pretty interesting movie. 
It might be on Plex. You should check it out. Rock. Uh, yeah, it's one of those movies though that you look into and you gotta like, gotta dig more into it, try to get some of the uh, interesting takes. But before we get too far into that, uh, we have the plot. Is a wealthy New York City investment banking executive, Patrick Bateman, uh, hides his alternate psychopathic ego from his coworkers and friends as he delves deeper into his violent, hedonistic fantasies. Uh, the cast, we got Christian Bale as Patrick Bateman, uh, Justin Theroux as Timothy Bryce, Josh Lucas as Craig McDermott, Bill Sage as David Van Patten, Chloe Savini as Jean, Reese Witherspoon as Evelyn, Willem Dafoe as Donald Kimball, and Jared Leto as Paul Allen. Honestly, the only person that I didn't forget was in this movie was Jared Leto. Like everybody <laughs> else, I was like, oh yeah, there's William Defoe. Oh yeah, it's Reese Witherspoon. Oh yeah, it's that guy. <laughs> well, there's a reason why you remember Jared Leto's in this movie. <laughs> because it's hip to be square. Uh, how many times have you seen this movie then? Oh man, I don't know, maybe like six or seven times. Okay, uh, this is my second, maybe third. Oh, really? I thought you've seen it more than that. No, not not too many times, so. Yeah, it was, I think, did you and I watch it together one time? I Maybe we, it's possible. We might have. Yeah. If we did, then I definitely saw it three times, so. I know we've talked about it. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I can't remember the first time I watched this, but. I, it might have been in college the first time I watched it, but then I had it on DVD and watched it a few times since then. Mm-hmm. Um, I actually watched this one and a half times <laughs> for the podcast because I watched like the first half of it and I fell asleep on the couch. Nice. And then I woke up probably like 15 minutes after I fell asleep, so I had to like, I was like, ah, to start over from the beginning. But. Uh, there's a there's a lot of interesting stuff in this movie, and a lot of things that are good. I had a hard time coming up with things that were, you know, maybe not handled the best because I don't think they're it's really bad. Yeah, no, I mean, it's weird because the things that are quote unquote that come to mind to me quote unquote bad are like intentionally bad, like yeah. cr- cringeworthy. You know, mm-hmm. like I forgot. I mean, I remembered this movie. I knew what was going to happen. I knew to the extent it was going to go. Yeah. But I forgot a ton of context. And so it I I forgot how cringy this movie was. Um on just like how off the deep end Christian Bale's character goes and how uncomfortable <laughs> yeah and how uncomfortable his character is when he's just trying to have his little like speaking monologue moments with the other people whether it's in a super um terrible moment like they're he's killing them or something or if it's just yeah. like awkward conversation so <clears throat> Yeah, and the times where he like throws in the random uh 
gross lines and no one seems to notice. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that that's one of the things that actually cracks me up in this movie. Um, there's little like recurring things too that are funny. But yeah, one of the things I had were just not necessarily bad, but just I don't know. Like, like you said, intentionally bad. Um, some of the things are too are really kind of gray and hard to figure out. Like, like I said, when he'll throw out those random lines, and then it's like the people don't hear it. Like, did he not really say it? Or are they just so wrapped up in what they're saying and only caring about themselves that they just don't pay attention to what anybody else is saying to them, uh, and they only hear what they want to hear? Yeah, so that was part of the thing that I had to look up afterwards. Um, and also, I kind of forgot about the whole um, uh, writing and blood thing that uh, took place in his death apartment, whatever you yeah. want to call it, about uh, his reference to yuppies. Uh, or the yuppie culture. Yeah, the... I forgot about that too. Yeah, so I looked it up and it was the whole thing of uh, the the elite rich in because uh, this uh, movie took place in the 80s. Uh, the elite rich and the yuppie culture as they called it where it was very self-centered and people only cared about their own interests and they always tried one upsmanship and it was about <laughs> um the description people were talking about was just saying like they only cared about where they were able to get reservations at you know dumb things that they showed in the movie like caring about your business card about your suits um and the interesting thing too that i didn't pick up was such a big theme until this time around because i thought from my previous viewing experiences that really the only time that um that there were only really two times that people got mistaken for different people mm -hmm. and that was when jared leto thought bateman was a different person by a different per, uh different yeah, haberstram or whatever his name was yeah and then the end when Bateman's lawyer uh, was mixing up who people were. Yeah. And so the, I thought those were the only two times, but rewatching it, it's an ongoing thing where it's just like, and they kind of emphasized it. And when I watched a summary video on YouTube, um, they kind of went through and showed you where everybody at his law firm was made to look like each other. Yeah, that's what. Um, similar haircuts, and he even mentions too, like, you know, him and that Haberstram guy mm -hmm. are similar looking, and they had the same glasses, and they showed him and like Jared Leto's character, and that Haberstram guy all had the same glasses on. Yeah, so it it's that whole yuppie thing, and that's all part of the yuppie culture thing, where it's just like. <clears throat> everybody was trying to be unique, but at the same time they were making themselves more similar to each other. Yeah. I mean, it's just like the song hip to be square that's using this. Yeah. So <laughs> if it you was listen to the lyrics. 
Yeah, it was very interesting. So I, I definitely got more, um, I guess, more out of this viewing experience than I had in the past because I noticed some things also, of course, some were pointed out to me in the, the follow-up videos that I watched. But so, yeah, the yuppie yeah. culture thing, if you didn't catch on, catch on that or know exactly what that was referencing was kind of inter an interesting part. Yeah, that's, I, I noticed the glasses this time. Uh, you, you talked about the business cards and how they obsess about them. Mm -hmm. And I mean, as a graphic designer, I, I kind of laugh at it because all the cards pretty much look the same. Yeah. And no. then they talk about their, their typefaces are different. And they talk about which typeface they use. And dude, I'm pretty sure like most of the fonts they talked about aren't real. <laughs> probably. They probably couldn't use real names. <laughs> probably. Yeah, it um I was wondering about that and I think it kind of goes into because I think all of it was oh man, what's the right word for it? Like uh <clears throat> conformity. Yeah, well, conformity but more like it, it was uh they were kind of using a, a smaller example to bring to light the overall example of the movie where it's just like yeah. they're trying to be unique but at the same time they don't realize that they're all so very much alike where <laughs> yes if you really break it down you can tell the difference but if the if four of them handed their business cards to somebody else they probably wouldn't give a crap that there's small differences right so and the the complete and utter anger that uh, Patrick gets when somebody's business card looks better than his. Mm -hmm. <laughs> or somebody gets a reservation to a different restaurant. And it's just that kind of stuff that's that's funny and really kind of like the hidden plot of the movie. Yeah. Well, one, I mean, I know... Well, I guess I shouldn't say no. I feel like it wasn't necessarily maybe on cue, but... Kudos to Christian Bale's ability to sweat in this movie. <laughs> right. He's he's glistening fa fairly often in this. Um uh, I guess you know some of the good things in this, the cinematography is really good. Mm -hmm. uh, some of the camera angles and stuff, like you know, when he's examining the business cards and they zoom in right in on his face. Uh his morning routine that he has where he's going through the long line of moisturizers and cleansers and all the stuff that he uses. <laughs> uh, just some of the shots of that are funny. Uh, and I mean, the times where he talks about different musicians and everything, he gives like this whole history and, and like backlog to him, like, and then casually throws in these like really deprived things that he's saying to these prostitutes <laughs> yeah just crack me up where or even you know the part with paul allen which is i have as my favorite most or most memorable scene mm -hmm. where he, he takes him out to to dinner and he gets him drunk and then brings him back to his apartment and like he's got his apartment like set up with uh like painter's cloths all over his apartment furniture he's got like cloths and newspapers down on the 
on the floor and like Paul's so drunk he doesn't really even know what's going on. <sighs> and that's he puts on uh, four by Huey Lewis in the news and he's talking about hip to be square. And he's doing like this little dance and everything when the song comes on. And Paul's Super just awkward. like, why do you have copies of the New York Times all over the floor? And, you know, Patrick just kind of ignores it and he's going on with what he's talking about, the the, the music. And Paul's just like, is that a raincoat? He's like, yes, it is. <laughs> and then, like, Paul's like looking, looking away again and Patrick's like got the smile on his face when he grabs his big axe. And he just says, hey, Paul, and then hacks him with it. Uh, that whole scene is just nuts because uh, the monologues, the music monologues that he gives in this movie are just crazy because it's like a knowledge bomb and it's delivered so flatly in such weird situations. And I don't know, Christian Bale is amazing in this movie. Mm-hmm. Like he, he did a really good job in this movie and I don't know. Before the year 2000, before this movie, did you even know who Christian Bale was? Yeah, actually, uh, I did. because see, of, I had no idea who he was. Because he did the movie Newsies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I always saw that as a kid, and so I remembered him in that. Uh, that's funny. Yeah, so sorry, sorry to ruin that he, moment for you. No, I was going to say, I didn't <laughs> even know who he was until he did this movie. Yeah. And then he was Batman. But he's also proved that he's kind of a psycho, too. <laughs> Dude, I know. I wanted to mention that because I couldn't Oh, help. good for you. <laughs> I'm sorry. I dropped a peanut M&M and it rolled out onto the stage. Does anybody want the last piece of pie? <laughs> <laughs> and then, yeah. So this whole time during the movie, while he's acting psycho, I, I could not help but think that part of it was really him where it's just like, he does get that psycho, not like psycho killing someone, but psycho weird rampage of dialogue. Not running spree or not killing spree, but just like spinning things off because of his whole episode that was on. I remember that that was on his Terminator Salvation acting thing. So Yeah. Um, when I tell you the inspiration for how he depicted this character. It's, it's going to, one, blow your mind, two, make a whole lot of sense, and three, you're just going to laugh. Um, and I've got that in trivia, so I'm not going to drop that right now. <laughs> but, uh, yeah, like, the way he handles that, like, that just flat line delivery and complete and utter lack of emotion in, like, cringy situations are what really make this character like seem psychotic mm-hmm. more than just like the, you know, hacking a guy up with the ax or, uh, some of the other things he does in it. Um, and I'll say, I, you know, I, I read part of this book because I heard it's like super gruesome and I couldn't get past like the first third of the book. Like, I don't even think he killed anybody yet. Jeez. And what I read just because, the the writing style that Brett Easton Ellis had for it was like, you know, he gave extreme detail on such minute and unimportant things. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it kind of goes with, I understand why he did it, because it's supposed to reflect that culture. Where, you know, appearance is everything. It, the kind of watch you have is more important than the work you do. 
mm-hmm. you know, kind of deal. And, it, you know, it's kind of shown, too, in this movie how Patrick is extremely wealthy, but you never see him actually do any work. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And I feel like there's a lot of movies and TV shows and stuff from the 80s that are like that. Or like these characters have tons of money, but you never actually see them do anything for work. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it um one of the videos that I watched afterwards kind of talked about that where it's just like uh work didn't matter, it was trivial, it was more about uh your lifestyle and everything rather than how good you actually are at your job. Yeah, your lifestyle and networking. Mm-hmm. Let's have lunch meetings and dinner meetings and and then there's even a part two where Reese Witherspoon's like his fiance and she's like, let's uh, set a date for the wedding and he's like I can't take any time off work <laughs> it's like he's so worried about taking time off work but he never actually does anything when he's at work didn't she say something about her his dad owning part of the company or something oh maybe or maybe her dad I don't know there was something I think it was in... her dad okay yeah because I at first I thought they were referencing his family which I was like well I didn't realize they ever did that but so yeah it was probably her dad so, but yeah, that, that whole thing was weird too, because the relationships in the movie, which again, reflect the time and the whole yuppie culture thing was just messed up. Yeah. Cause it's like, it's obvious it was, it was definitely her dad that owned part of the company because it's like, it was obvious that he was with her to help his career. And then at the same time, he's sleeping with her best friend mm-hmm. who's like, a pill popper. Yeah. <laughs> it just, yeah. And then like him and his buddies are always doing coke. Which, yep. I mean, it was the 80s. Um, <laughs> another thing that's great in this movie is the soundtrack. Mm-hmm. I mean, there's a lot of good, I mean, the 80s had some of the best music, so it was kind of shown uh, in this movie. You know, you get some Robert Palmer, um, you get walking on sunshine and <laughs> you know, just a good variety of different music. Um I'm trying to think there was a song in one of the clubs too that stood out to me, but now I can't remember what it was. Did they play Suit Suit Studio? Oh yeah, they did. Okay, I thought they Yeah, I remember it was during that really um graphic threesome scene. <laughs> Oh. <laughs> with him and the two prostitutes yeah. uh, that's probably one of the more famous scenes and it's been a meme like of him having sex with the two women and looking at himself in the mirror and flexing <laughs> 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 like more more mesmerized by his look than the fact that he's having sex with two women at the same time yeah, why why does that like make me feel like that's Christian Bale's personality? <laughs> Probably. <laughs> He's like, "Oh, you two ladies are so lucky to be with me." <laughs> I saw a thing too that I guess when they were ready to shoot that that scene it was like that scene and the scene where he's like getting ready in the morning and he's like you know, showering and all that, mm-hmm. that all the women that were involved on the set came to watch it. <laughs> Shocker. Right. 
Oh gosh. Speaking of kind of weird things and wait, was it no, it was the uh scene later on and everything, but uh the chainsaw scene. He hmm. was wearing his shoes and nothing else while running with a chainsaw. Did you right. Notice? I guess I didn't notice the shoes, but that's hilarious. Yeah, I I I did notice that and I was just like, that seems so unusual. There's a lot of unusual things in this movie, like when he's working out in the morning and he's got porn on in the background. Uh, and yeah. then another time he's got Texas Chainsaw Massacre playing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, that this movie is uh, full of the unusual. That is no doubt. Yeah, and I mean the whole threesome thing too is weird because he goes and like goes to like the shady part of town, and he picks up like this common like street hooker mm-hmm. who's really not like attractive. Like, and then he goes and gets like a high priced call girl. Yeah. And it was just, I don't know if, like, if that was one of his fantasies or something. It's just very, very weird. I don't uh, know. I, that was kind of the thing, too, that I was wondering if it was another um, a layer of the, layer of everything, another layer of the cake, where yeah. it's just like everybody tries to be better than everybody else, but you put them both in the same room and you can't tell the difference. Yeah. Um. So um uh, another thing that was weird too was like his relationship with his secretary mm-hmm. because at one point it's like when he first get introduced to her she comes in and she's telling him something and he like is just disgusted by the outfit she's wearing because she's wearing a pantsuit mm-hmm. and he's like don't ever wear that again and he's like skirts only and then he's like at high heels i like high heels <laughs> It's like what a freaking jerk. Uh, and then, like, there's times where he just kind of like bosses her around and snips at her, and then he wants to take her out for dinner, which then leads to her going to his apartment and like him contemplating and thinking about all these different ways he can kill her. Mm-hmm. Like where she's sitting on the couch talking, and he holds up a nail gun behind her head, and then the phone goes off. Yeah. And then it ends up being Reese Witherspoon's character. But I guess one thing I noticed about this time I watched it is Reese Witherspoon's role isn't as big as I originally remembered. Mm-hmm. Because yeah. she's really only in, like, what, four scenes? Yeah, well, kind of like, like William that. Defoe, too. Yeah. And his, once... is, his performance is interesting because, so he's, like, the detective that's trying to figure out what happened to Paul Allen. Mm-hmm. And he meets up with um Patrick like it's like three or four times. Yeah. And it's like one time he doesn't suspect Patrick, and then he does. And then it's like the third time he just doesn't really have any idea what's going on. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so it's kind of like either he sucks at his job or it's another just emphasis on that whole because I again I didn't um catch all the details until this time around about how this was another case in point where people were mistaking other people for the wrong person. Cause um when 
Paul Allen was killed and went missing, he was supposed to be with that. Uh, what was the guy's name? Uh, Halberstein or whatever. Yeah. And Halberstein was away and had an alibi that he was in, I think, Atlantic City, something like that, with a group of guys. And so then William Defoe's character was essentially questioning uh christian bale about like well hey where where were you at and then he started kind of like giving excuses and then he's just like well that's not why i have because he's like i have down that the group that went to atlantic city you were with them because that's mm-hmm. what they told me and so he essentially like handed christian bale an alibi yeah and christian bale like pried at it mm-hmm. like a little bit yeah so it's just like obviously he's the one who killed Paul Allen. So he obviously wasn't on that trip. So again, it was people mistook or there were somebody mistaken that was supposed to be Bateman on the trip. Like just so many more times than I remembered that. It was either that or they just assumed he was there and just weren't paying attention enough to notice. Yeah. So just more of the emphasis on where it's just like, you just get lost in everything, which is kind of weird too, because uh, where, when was it that Bateman said that he just wanted to fit in? He was saying it to someone. I feel like it was Reese Witherspoon. Yeah. I think it's when they're in the car. Yeah. And he said that he just wanted to fit in. Yeah. Which is weird because he wanted to fit in, but at the same time, he also wanted to stand out uh, because he wanted to be better than everybody else. Cause the, the whole thing was just like them trying to be able to get reservations at better places, them having a better business card than each other, better suits, better networking. And it, it was just on and on just stupid stuff. Mm-hmm. But at the same time, then he says, Oh, I just want to fit in. So <laughs> just the whole mentality is, weird and messed yeah. up yeah that's that's funny to think about um and it's like the whole movie yeah, like you said the whole movie is like centered around that um man i don't know if i have much else <clears throat> i mentioned that the soundtrack was really good um and it, it's kind of funny at times to do with the music where somebody is trying to talk to Patrick and he's got his headphones in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it was just like, you know, the further disassociation from the real world, it's kind of shown through that as well. Yeah. Uh, anything else? All right. Then I can get into trivia. Uh, yeah, let's jump into trivia. Okay. So during the shooting of the film, Christian Bale spoke in an American accent offset all the time. Um, at the rap party, when he began to speak in his native Welsh accent, many of the th- the crew thought that he was speaking that way as an accent for another film uh, because they thought he was American through the entire shoot. That's funny. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so during production, Christian Bale actually followed the morning routine that his character describes towards the beginning of the film with like all the moisturizers and, and stuff <laughs> wait wait say, say, he really did that yeah in real like 
during the production of it, like while he was making that movie. Oh, okay. He went through that like every morning. Gotcha. I mean, he's a method actor, so it makes sense. Mm-hmm. Uh, so the single biggest cost in the film was purchasing the rights to all the songs used. I was wondering about that. <laughs> yeah, not really surprising. All right, and here's the, here's the big one. I said it was going to blow your mind. This better be good or else I'm going to punch you in the face. <laughs> so when looking for a way to create the character of Patrick Bateman, Christian Bale stumbled across um, a Tom Cruise appearance. <laughs> On Late Night with David Letterman. Uh, according to the co-writer and director, uh, Mary Heron, Bale saw Cruise, um, saw in Cruise a very intense friendliness with nothing behind his eyes. Oh my God. And Bale subsequently based the character of Bateman on that. Uh, so interestingly enough, Tom Cruise, was, Tom Cruise is actually featured in the book. Okay. Uh, he lives in the same apartment complex as Bateman who meets him in an elevator and gets the name of cocktail wrong. He called it bartender. <laughs> <laughs> so watch the movie again and think Tom Cruise during that. <laughs> That's funny. Uh, because it makes a heck of a lot of sense. It does. Cause can't you see Tom Cruise in that scene where he's looking at himself in the mirror? Uh, oh yeah. Like full of himself. <laughs> 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 and like being, saying like terrible things but like in a nice tone <laughs> that's all i could think of during this movie after i read that and i could see him running around the streets of new york because <laughs> he loves to run mm-hmm. so christian bale is warned by many that it would be career suicide for him to play the lead in this movie uh this only made him more eager to take the part and he was inspired by nicholas cage in vampire's kiss uh, fortunately for him, the opposite turned out to be true. Um, Bale's role in the movie was considered a breakthrough performance and enabled him to shift his career from supporting roles to a leading man status. Um, in the decades to follow, it finally culminated in like the Batman and Terminator franchises, uh, which he ended up getting several award nominations, including an Oscar win rock yeah have you ever seen a vampire's kiss no i have not so you know that crazy meme where um nicholas cage is making that crazy face like the oh you don't say face yeah that's what it's from okay (laughs) so uh during the big chainsaw scene uh christian bale would just like just walk around wearing nothing but a sock (laughs) And his tennis shoes. And like had absolutely no problem with it. So casting stuff here. Ewan McGregor was offered the role of Patrick Bateman, but he declined. Hmm. And this was after Christian Bale uh, urged him not to take it. Okay. Uh, Leonardo DiCaprio was asking for $21 million to play the lead. Um, Forcing the film's budget up to forty million. Uh, when he quit and Christian Bale took the role over, the budget went back down to uh, seven million. Whoa! Wait, what? How did that happen? So originally, Leonardo DiCaprio was supposed to play Patrick Bateman, and he yeah, wanted twenty-one million dollars to play the lead. 
uh-huh. which was would have brought the budget of the movie up to forty million. Okay. Uh, when he dropped out of it, it was given to Christian Bale, and it brought the budget back down to seven million. That math doesn't add up, though. Yeah. Well, I mean, there's obviously other things that go into it. Okay. I just wanted to make sure that I wasn't going crazy. So no. Uh, so the Huey Lewis and the News song "Have to Be Square," which appears in the film, was initially on the soundtrack album, but it was removed shortly after release because of lack of publishing rights. Uh, the album was recalled and reissued without the song, although some versions of the initial batch were already sold. Over the years, uh, this incident had developed a myth that Huey Lewis himself refused to allow the song on the album, but that was not the case. Hmm. So I bet those are probably worth a pretty penny. Yeah, probably. So after the novel, the novel was initially like optioned for a movie in 91, uh, the author Brett Easton Ellis himself was set to write the script for director Stuart Gordon with Johnny Depp playing Patrick Bateman. Uh, Gordon wanted to do the film in black and white and stick close to the book as possible, which meaning it was probably going to get an X rating. Uh, After the project fell through, David Cronenberg replaced Gordon, and Brad Pitt was set the star, and that also fell through. Hmm. David Cronenberg doing this movie would be pretty interesting. I know you're probably not as familiar with him. Like, you ever see the Fly remake with Jeff Goldblum? Oh, no. Uh, Well, I mean, I've seen bits and pieces, but I've never seen the whole Uh, movie. See, he did that. Uh, So the last casting thing I have was Keanu Reeves was offered the lead role. Oh, no. (laughs) I'm surprised Tom Cruise wasn't offered it. (laughs) (laughs) But all these actors that they said were originally, like, going to do it probably would have did a good job. Yeah, most of them I thought were pretty good. Yeah, especially Leo. Like, Leo's a really good actor. Mm-hmm. It'd be interesting to see if he, like, especially that young, could have went that dark. Yeah. Johnny Depp, I think, could have done it. Yeah, that's what yeah. I was thinking, too. And Brad Pitt is a good actor, but I don't know if he'd be able to do this role. And mm-hmm. then Keanu would just not would have been not have been a good choice. <laughs> I love Huey Lewis. <laughs> I may or may not have killed a bunch of people. <laughs> Uh, so this movie cost uh, seven million dollars, and it made thirty-four million in the box office. Rock. So pretty, pretty good. <laughs> uh, so you know the men- we didn't mention the thing at the end, really. You know, other than when you talked about him talking to his lawyer, and he was mistaking um, Patrick for somebody else, but like. Patrick kills all these people that the cops are like chasing him, and then he calls his lawyer and like confesses the whole thing. And like his lawyer thinks it's a joke. Mm-hmm. And he goes back to the apartment where he had all the bodies stored and everything's like cleaned up. Mm-hmm. But it's like obvious that something wasn't quite right. Yeah. And like nobody believes that he did any of that, so he kind of just goes back to his life. Yeah. So do you believe that he really did it, or do you think it was something that was just all in his head? I think it was all in his head. I don't think he really did it. I think he's crazy. Yeah. 
because so, you know he still had the notebook that had like all the drawings in it mm-hmm. that his um secretary found yeah so i believe that he really did it and the intention of the book and the movie was actually to leave you knowing that he really did it but just having things ambiguous enough about it yeah so the director uh mary heron was kind of disappointed that people felt that it was so ambiguous at the end okay um, because she said that was one of the things i i saw in several of the videos that i watched was that it was not their intention to make people wonder if it was real or not um to maybe question it but still have enough at the end to know that it was real and just again to emphasize that culture of people being so into themselves that they overlook all this other stupid stuff going on um like how bateman really is crazy and everybody just overlooked it the apartment complex uh where um paul allen died uh that they cleaned everything up because they wanted to quite literally sweep it under the rug so that the property value wouldn't go down okay yeah that makes sense um and so it just essentially worked in his favor that all that happened and you know he got away with murder uh by shooting people in new york because murders just happen and kind of could have been anybody running around the streets at that point so yeah so they they said that it was meant to be real and the end his little monologue was just like he made a confession and it was all for nothing Mm -hmm. because nobody cares nobody was paying attention everybody was is so self-absorbed that what he did does not matter yeah yeah i could see i can i can honestly see both sides of it and you know i I didn't think about the making the whole property value go down in that apartment Mm -hmm. (laughs) and it's like so the other killings he had were sneaky enough like to maybe go without getting caught Mm-hmm. But when he kills that prostitute by dropping the chainsaw on her, like she had had to be like in the lobby, right? Uh, well, the stairwell was kind of, I imagined kind of like a uh, hotel stairwell where it's kind of off to the side. Mm-hmm. But I mean, somebody was running through the building with a chainsaw in the middle of the night. Yeah. And that was and another thing. Screaming and banging on doors. Yeah. But that was another thing, too, where, I mean, you see it in some kind of horror movies where it's just like when that when that happens, sometimes people don't want to pay attention to it because they don't want that problem to become their problem. And so with it being a rich, high scale apartment complex, that was more something that's kind of more realistic. Because mm-hmm. because then, like, if you were in other places or whatever, you know, sometimes people are more helpful. You know, they're just like, oh, someone's in trouble. I should help them. But with it being a richer scale uh, apartment complex, everybody didn't want to take on somebody else's problem. Yeah. That I remember from the first time I watched it. 
where I thought too, where it's just like, why is nobody caring? But then at the same time, that kind of realization of it's just like, nobody really probably wants to do anything about it. Yeah. And it kind of makes me think of um, the original Halloween. Mm -hmm. We're in a climax where Michael's uh, chasing after Lori and she's like screaming and pounding on doors. And like, you can see people turn their lights on, but no Mm -hmm. one does anything. (laughs) Yeah. Well, I mean, like, imagine I'm not getting messed up with this. Yeah, in those situations, it's just like if, if for instance, right now, if there was somebody screaming and knocking on my door, I'm not opening my door. I'd probably call the cops. Exactly. Like, I'll call the cops and I will, uh, little FYI about myself, I will go grab my gun and I will stand <laughs> by the door and I will be like, I don't know what's going on. I called the cops. Don't come in my house. Cause... It's just been revoked. <laughs> Because uh, you see those movies, too, where then people tra- try to use that to their advantage of, like, getting into people's houses by faking something's going on. Yeah. So. And then also you don't know what you're going to let in when you open the door. and Blah, blah, blah. So anyways, yeah, no, it was. It It leaves you with that crazy. Thought at the end of all that killing happening and then essentially nobody caring and no justice being served and just like a bunch of random dead people that don't ever get to have justice. I mean, I don't know if there were cases and things like that during the eighties that this was kind of drawing inspiration from would not surprise me where maybe a bunch of people died and they just had no, like just went missing and they have no information on what happened. Well, it's kind of like the Zodiac Killer. Mm-hmm. The Zodiac Killer killed a bunch of people, and no one, even to this day, even knows who he is. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, do you want to get into grades? Rock. All right, let's do it. I pulled from IMDb and Rotten Tomatoes. What do you think those are? Uh, 7.9. 7.6. You're pretty close. Uh, Rotten Tomato Critic, 90%. Critic to 69. Whoa. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay. Audience, 89. 85. Dang it. Stupid audience. Oh, do you want to go first? Sure, I'll go first. Um, So this movie, I always take every movie for what it is. I mean, this is a horror um, movie with quite quite the deep meaning to it. uh, Because as we mentioned, the whole premise behind the yuppie culture and just what was going on at the time and the unique layering of all the different elements on essentially how somebody can belong in a certain echelon of people, but also just get lost in the fray. And so, as we mentioned, Christian Bale's performance, absolutely stellar. I had down to that. All the side uh, characters did a fantastic job. Mm -hmm. Um, I mean, there were a couple of them that were cringeworthy, uh, as they were meant to be. 
I think maybe one of the most unique ones was just William Defoe because he was supposed to be a good guy, but at the same time, William Defoe is just naturally a uh, kind of a creepy guy. Yeah. So that was that was just kind of like an interesting twist in there where he's not like your button up uh, detective, um, seen as a easily seen as a a hero in a dark world, uh, but he was just kind of more so is he good at his job is he going to catch bateman like what's what's actually happening so that element was interesting to throw in there but uh, just all the different things in there that you kind of might look at and be like what are they even thinking and doing right now but it all comes together and honestly the the amount of how they were able to build up to the climax was I I think one of the strongest things that they did because I forgot how quickly some things moved and honestly I mean if you've watched any um, murder shows true crime anything like that they often talk about how you know somebody who gets into this usually starts off small and then they get bigger Mm -hmm. uh, before they attack someone they know And so the whole like him killing a homeless person and the dog the first time around made more sense. Um, But then he jumped right in and killed Paul Allen. Yeah. And so it's just like, okay, then. So but then they kind of showed you towards the end that he had done more killing on the side that they weren't showing you. Mm -hmm. So there there was a progression there that you weren't aware of. Um, but the flow of the movie and the build up to the climax was very good because it wasn't um it wasn't staggering it wasn't like a super high high super low low back and forth and everything you got that a little bit but it all still gradually grew until the end until his little like killing running spree which that still always surprised me because i i forgot that he goes into the wrong apartment building and so since he went into the wrong building, he shoots the desk clerk yeah, and the janitor just because. <clears throat> and then he runs over like one block to the right building and just walks in like nothing happened. Um, but yeah, I, I just think it's uh, a huge successful movie, especially for what it was going for that I think would not be easy to accomplish. So I'm giving it a uh, five out of five. Rock. Uh, I'm also giving it a five out of five. Uh, like you said, the acting is really solid. Um, and to take such a gritty and intense book and make it into a movie that is done so well, it's pretty impressive. Uh, I know in a book he kills a lot more people, and he, I, I heard that he actually like, he kills a kid at a zoo. What? And it's supposed to be like super gory. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I need to like try to push through this book to see what else is in there just to try to get like some more story to what's going on because uh they did make a sequel to this movie. I don't know if you're aware. And it has uh, Mila Kunis in it. Oh no, I was not aware. Yeah. And it has nothing to do with this one. Great. And I heard it's just horrible. <laughs> awesome like just beyond horrible um yeah like the cover of it is it has a picture of her with like a scythe i'm not sure why 
But uh, yeah, you know, I said when we started this that I've seen this movie plenty of times. Uh, and it's one of those movies that you kind of have to be in the mood to watch, but it's so well done. And like you said, the ending is ambiguous enough that it makes you really think about it after you watch it. Mm-hmm. And anytime a movie does that, um, I always enjoy it. Movies that make you think. Um, but yeah, I might have to push forward and try to get through the book. Yeah, dude. What's but wrong yeah, five out of five. So it was a fun way to kick off um, the dark movie month. Mm-hmm. And next week is one of your picks. And that is Battle Royale, which is a movie I've only seen once. Yeah. I saw it with you. <laughs> yep. So it'll be interesting to watch that again. I kind of look forward to it. Yeah, it definitely fits in perfectly for this month. So, yeah. From what I remember, it's like the Japanese version of the Hunger Games. Yeah, which just means it's all that much more intense. <laughs> right. <laughs> But yeah, so come back next week. We'll be talking about Battle Royale. And until then, as always, be kind and rewind.